This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lolly Aracoglu. Hello. Earlier this year, we shared an episode all about making your travel savings go as far as possible. And little did we know, we wouldn't really be touching those travel savings at all for the rest of the year. These last six months or so have put money in a really different perspective for a lot of us. So this week, we've brought in two experts to help talk through how our relationship with travel spending has changed and how we can best prepare for next year. Joining us are Jessica Puckett, who covers all things points and miles for Traveler. Thanks for coming on, Jess. Hi, thanks for having me. And Beret Lamb, the Wall Street Journal's personal finance bureau chief. Thank you so much, Beret. Hey, great to be here. So before we get into our first question, we do want to remind everyone that neither Jessica, Beret, Meredith, or I are financial advisors. I've certainly made that clear when talking about my own finances in previous episodes. So throughout this episode, please remember that we're speaking from personal experience and reporting during this episode. So I can kick it off with the first question, which is how has each of your personal relationships with money changed since the pandemic began? So my personal financial goal for this year was to bulk up some of my emergency savings fund. Um, That has kind of, the importance of that has only grown since, you know, all the uncertainty that the virus has brought. So in addition to trying to save for that, I'm really just using this time to reset financially. Um, I think it's a really good pause to kind of evaluate what is worth spending my money on? Like, what are my priorities? Um, And for me, I think like most people, I've really shifted away from, you know, eating out in New York City, going to bars. We really can't right now still, um, as well as spending on clothes because I'm not really going to many activities. So for me, uh, more than ever, it's earmarking, you know, my savings, my money for future travel that I'm wanting to do. I also am kind of saving for those supporting categories. Like I've spoken on here before about, you know, taking like online language classes and kind of maybe it's like studying cooking recipes for a destination that I'm really wanting to go to. So spending on those as well as trying to squirrel away from my emergency fund. Yeah, for me, um, I cover money. My team at the Journal covers money. So our relationship with money, I think, has changed in the way that we've really seen the way um, something like a pandemic 
and, you know, something as big of an economic story as the pandemic is, has really, to me, brought personal finance to the forefront of everybody's life. Um, you know, in in the in normal times, whenever that was, I guess, February, um, I think a lot of people are like, OK, I look at my personal finances, my retirement goals, uh, my saving goals, my travel saving goals. I look at that a few times a year. I check in. Um, and now I think it's more like a weekly, if not a daily check in. I think, you know, with a lot of the the people we've been talking to and a lot of the reporting we've been doing, people are thinking about these things every day. Um, whether they are arriving at decisions or not, because, um, you know, with so much uncertainty, it's really hard to make financial decisions right now. Um, I really like uh, what one of our sources told us, Megan Lertz, who's a professor um, of personal finance at Kansas State University. She says we're really good at short-term decisions, but not long-term decisions. And I really think that that has gotten so much more true um, in these times as we're in such uncertain times. You know, we don't know what the time frame is, so it really messes up our ability to decide like whether this is good for me or not. And so I think, you know, to Jess's point, saving is really at the top of so many people's minds um, because if something like this can hit so suddenly, you need to have savings. For me personally, I would say that it's really um, led me to look at the priorities in my life and reassess what those priorities are. For me, in terms of travel saving, my travel savings has always been to visit family. Um, my parents live in Canada. I have a lot of extended family in Asia. So the pandemic has really reminded me how much I miss them and and I, how much I want to save and make sure I see them. Um, I have a kid also, so making sure he gets to see them. And so that's really been my reassessment of my priorities and how I want to save for travel in the future. I completely relate Jess to you saying that it's been a wake-up call for that emergency savings fund and I can now say due to staying at home and doing very little I actually do have one now and I feel very proud of the fact that I've managed to build it up and also feel very privileged that I've been able to but now when I start to think about the idea of maybe hopefully some travel in 2021 and kind of getting back out there a bit and spending on leisure I feel guilty thinking about that. How do we kind of overcome that anxiety of spending on things that feel good when things still feel so uncertain? You know, I think I've really had to like reset my mind frame for this. And I think for me personally, it's actually been more important than ever to make sure I'm doing these nice things for myself. And you know, kind of treating myself to certain things. Um, I personally have been fortunate enough to take a couple trips up to New England to see family while the, all this is going on. And those couple trips have been just so essential for my mental health with everything going on and kind of getting myself out of my like rut of being in my little Brooklyn apartment for seven months. And to do those, you know, Part of the way I financed it was, you know, cashing in a good chunk of chase points that I had squirreled away for a couple nights in a hotel um, just to treat myself. And, you know, I had those earmarked for a bigger trip that I was trying to save up for, you know, once travel opens up more, you know, I'm really going to like take a an amazing international trip somewhere or something like that. But I decided to just cash them in and not feel guilty about it. You know, I feel I felt like I needed this break now. I just kind of told myself, you know, I can always start strategically saving up points again for a bigger trip. 
And I think as long as you can do it safely and respectfully and it's in your comfort zone, then you shouldn't feel guilty about it because we all need a break now more than ever, I think. I also, at the beginning of all of this, was to reuse this word, like squirreling away like every penny that I could find that I was not spending into savings. And in the past couple months, I've been like, okay, you can start to like give yourself, you can be more strategic about it, like you're saying, and like give yourself a hundred dollars less more to like treat yourself to one nice thing, whether it's like a trip or a item of clothing that makes you feel good in your house mm -hmm. or home decor or things like that, because I realized how much it was helping me to have something to look forward to, even it was if it was coming through USPS or a trip, and that exclusively saving did not necessarily like put me in a better headspace for the future as spending, if that makes sense. I mean, I guess at the beginning we went into survival instinct <laughs> and now we have like a greater understanding of what's going on and also day-to-day -day life has regained some semblance of normality to a certain extent. You know, that saving was very much like a short-term, long-term like combo. And as people start equal parts spending to look out for themselves and also save to do the same, it feels like we're inching into long-term, like this is the new normal, which I hate, but feels <laughs> accurate. Um, like this is the new normal territory. Yeah, I think the idea of resetting is really relevant right now, um, that as your financial situation changes and the world changes, that I think if it's all changing both at the same time, then like taking stock of what your finances look like and building your own financial awareness of like what brings you joy and what brings you um, security. I think I think reevaluating those in in a more regular way would would make sense in terms of thinking through like what your spending should be like, what your saving should be like month to month, because I don't think that in such uncertainty that it's easy to um, like make a long-term goal right now or a short-term goal right now and just stick to that every month, month after month. I think that if your situation is changing and the world is changing, then then you have to revisit those. We have a project that we launched um, called the WSJ Six Week Money Challenge, and it's a six edition newsletter. It starts when you sign up, and it's really to help you gain more financial awareness of your own finances and goals. And so something like that can help you week to week, like think about your goals and like it's a fun way to just think about. I know I said fun, but I really mean it. Um, it's a fun way to just think about your finances for an hour or two. And and I think that's something everyone can benefit from. Um, the other my other perspective on this is even though the world is so uncertain, there are things that are certain in most of our lives. And I would focus on those certain things first. Um, Usually those are called essential expenses. So while, you know, the economy might be uncertain, the pandemic might be uncertain, your bills and your debt and your rent are almost certainly coming due at some point. So I would I would plan around those first, you know, focus on the certainties that'll give you a foothold and feeling more confident. And then with everything that's left over, you can think about what you want to do with those, what your goals are. If travel is one of your goals, then that's a little tricky because um, 
actually, Jess, I feel like you might know more about this than I do, but like prices are very different. And so how to plan for a trip accurately, um, what that financial goal should be in terms of taking a trip. I think that'd be that'd be interesting to think about in terms of how much do you really need? And then the kind of things that you should be saving on top of the basic like airfare, hotel, Scott McCartney, who is our travel columnist, um, he had a really great column about insurance. And um, I learned something. I didn't know that there was something called cancel for any reason insurance, um, which is a little bit more expensive, but reimburses you a greater percentage of a refund. And so um, while planning a trip before things are certain, that might be something to look into as you plan for the total cost of a trip. I think that point about uncertainty when it comes to travel is a really, really good one. And speaking from my experience, it feels a lot easier to splurge on a piece of furniture for my home or some clothes that I know are going to arrive and they are going to, they're a concrete thing that happens and that I will own and have. Whereas travel feels still like there is the prospect of cancelled flights or borders closing again or reopening and never being able to quite predict. Jess, given how much you report on air travel, sort of what should we be thinking about when we're kind of looking ahead to 2021 and thinking that we do want to start spending some money on booking flights or hotels and so on? Well, it's a really good question. And everything, of course, is just so tricky right now. Nothing's for sure. You know, there's a couple schools of thought that think, There'll be flight deals into 2021, well into 2021, as not only borders reopen, but, you know, airlines will want to attract those nervous flyers back. You know, something for me that that has kind of like scratched that itch of wanting to book flights and book trips has just been honestly like researching every aspect of a trip like I'm about to book it. And it helps me just like get into that mindset, you know, looking on the flights, setting the Google flight alerts for I don't know whether it's like Belize or Italy or I've been on this kick of wanting to go to the Galapagos in Ecuador now and just looking at, you know, is there a direct flight? Is there not? And part of this is very tricky because international flights, uh, they're mainly cut right now. So we don't know what schedules will look like or um, what destinations will be accessible from, you know, your home airport in 2021. But I think just, you know, for me, digging into the details of it and looking even at the hotels or the activities and the resorts you can stay at has really not only helped me feel like it's accessible, but also you get kind of like the indirect budget that way too. Oh, it costs this much to fly into Guadalquivir and Ecuador and I should budget for that or what hotels per night costs I should be looking at. So that's something that's really helped for me make it feel all more tangible again. And in terms of cancelled flights, am I right in thinking that most airlines have extended their refund policies into 2021? Yeah, so the big thing that we've seen is most change fees for domestic trips and some airlines will even say for most North America trips, so Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, those have gone away totally, permanently. Um, As far as change waivers, yes, most have said free cancellation either through the end of the year or some have been a little more limited in saying through fall. But yes, it's still very flexible. 
Jess's point about the schedules changing and the and you know you don't know what might be what destinations might be available from your home airport. I guess I don't worry about that much because I live in New York. So for me, I'm like I imagine there will be flight. Well, actually, never say never, but <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there will be flights to you know international destinations. But but you know as a, as a mom of a toddler, like for me, um, we don't take overnight flights because that would just be a nightmare for days <laughs> in terms of parenting and sleep training. So um, the uncertainty of flight schedules is certainly something that makes me pause in terms of even just that research. Like sometimes I get as far as like Googling a flight and being like, well, there aren't any flights that I'd want to take. And then I'm like, okay, let's just put this on the back burner for a while. But I, I totally understand that itch of wanting to look up stuff. So be curious to hear how others are scratching that itch in terms of looking up things that they may want to do. Yeah, and I think Jess's point about putting flight trackers on through Hopper or Google Flights is probably a good idea of how to get started figuring out how much a flight might cost in the future because, you know, right now when people are not flying that much and the airlines are really trying to get people on flights, like flight prices are super low, but that might not stay when more people are interested. So I would you know, use a flight tracker that uses previous data, but also has like a little more AI involved, some one like Hopper, um, who might be able to be a little bit more predictive and get you a better budget idea. Um, well, I, I actually have a question for you guys. Yeah. Um, when I plan travel, like I was saying, my, my priorities are seeing family and, you know, doesn't get more family oriented than Thanksgiving and Christmas, which are usually blackout dates. So no flight deals there how should the game plan be in terms of thinking about holiday travel? Because if if lots of people have also decided, like I have that family's their priority, will that make airports more crowded? Would it make it a less ideal time to travel, given that it's also paired with, you know, blackout dates? You know, a lot of the analysts have been watching this and they really think that maybe not to the total extent it is every year, but it will be a busy time of year. Um, and just looking at in terms of the number of people flying, even over the summer, the holidays, those were definitely the high points and the peaks. Um, and we're seeing it inch up every week so far. I think as far as the number of passengers, it's going to take a dip before the fall and winter holidays, but definitely around Thanksgiving and Christmas, I think expect to be in that crush of people on the planes and in the airports. You know, I think being in the crush of an airport is something that gives all of us like great anxiety right now. So this feels like a time to take advantage of the fact that we are all working remotely and can be a little bit more flexible in terms of our travel dates. So think about maybe departing a few days earlier than you usually would have for Thanksgiving, um, maybe on a weekday or given night flights aren't going to be a possibility for you um, or ideal you know, maybe look at some slightly more unusual flight times to try and like miss the rush. And maybe instead of going for three days, five days, like we sort of usually do for those holidays, go for a week, go for two weeks, really take advantage of this flexibility. And I think when I'm thinking about Christmas travel, I'm hoping, dreaming of being able to go to London to see my family who I haven't seen in a year. 
and you know factoring things in like quarantine means I'm considering going for like about six weeks if I can make it there and it also means I can travel on odd dates that isn't necessarily the 23rd of December like I've done before. I would also say I usually buy my flights back to Texas for both holidays around this time every year because I usually try to get in before flight prices go up and Right now, flights are about half as much as they would usually be for the holidays. And that's just on the specific, you know, LaGuardia to to Dallas route that I'm looking at. But I would definitely say, you know, if you're looking at smaller, more domestic trips going forward, like your budget definitely may not have to be as high as it would have been in previous years because there are so many flight deals, hotel deals, like we mentioned um, last week on the podcast and just kind of more options as tour operators, airlines, hotels, Airbnbs try to get people, you know, using their services again. So if you are looking for maybe a more budget-friendly option, those I feel like exist more now than they may have a year ago for the holidays. The Run for Revogue is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowicz. Um, we should be the mayor of New York. We all support yeah, that. we support that. Very <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are... AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K, and a winter okay. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run-Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforests of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. So when we're talking about savings and you know, we kind of hinted at this earlier, but, you know, everyone's situation in normal times is very different. Everyone's circumstances are very different. And now that is 
obviously exponentially more true. But do you, Bray, have any general strategies for saving right now or kind of divvying up your savings so that you make sure you're hitting your regular general savings, maybe your like leisure, travel, interest savings, those types of things? All very good questions. So I think one of the hardest things about saving right now is how to stay motivated. As we've been talking about this whole time, um, when things feel really far away, it makes it really hard to take action. So when you're thinking travel might be a year away, might be two years away for me, it's really hard to save up whatever that goal is um, and start chipping away at it right now. So I would try to automate. This is the advice that is, you know, for every situation, it's good because it works. You know, behavioral uh, economists tell us it works for saving, that for retirement, if you automate, you have a higher likelihood of being able to reach your goals and you don't have to look at it and um, it does it kind of runs on its own. Um, the other reason I think it's really hard to save right now is because we're in a low rate environment. You know, if you follow interest rates, um, if you have a saving products called a high yield savings account, you'll see that the yield is actually quite low these days. We've gone from banks offering a nearly 3% interest rate on high yield savings account to now the average is somewhere between a half a percent to 1%. I, I think most of them are closer to half a percent, actually. So it's hard to save when, you know, your cash is not doing much for you. But then it's also easy to save when when you think about the fact that we're in a pandemic and that we all should have emergency savings and and that we all feel a little, may, may feel a little better if we're able to keep a little cash around and have a little liquidity. Um, so I think adjust and don't give up on your saving goals if you're able to save. And I would say don't judge yourself when you are making your priorities for what to save for. If you want to start a different account to save up for your trip and that makes you feel good to see that build, um, I would do that. Like I would I would modify your saving strategy based on your priorities and the goals you want to hit and then optimizing it to help yourself hit them. So if a savings app like um, there's a couple out there, there's um, Digit, there's a couple other ones. Like if, if an app is something that works for you, I would do that. Um, the other thing I would say is because travel is kind of far away, one way, one way to think about it may be that, you know, if you're saving for a big trip, you actually have more time to do that now. So you can be more ambitious, uh, you know, instead of instead of maybe this summer that you were saving for that big trip to. And I, I'd be curious to hear what big trip you all were saving for before this. Um, if you're saving for that big trip, maybe you just got a 12 month extension on saving for that trip. So you have a lot more time to do that um, and and take advantage of the fact that we're all working from home. And, um, you know, if for those who are struggling, obviously, you know, there's different priorities right now. And um, but if you are able to save and see where that takes you. Um, yeah, I think those are some of my thoughts, I would say on savings, like don't give up on your goals, adjust on the goals. Um, don't give up completely. Try to make adjustments in a way that feels right for you. One of the reasons why I have been able to save, other than the fact that I have been able to fritter my money away in restaurants as much as I used to, um, is that I had nine weddings to travel for this year and none of them happened, um, which is obviously very sad, but was a boon to my finances. Um, so I didn't have a big trip planned for this year, but I, I am interested to know 
um, what everyone's big trip was that they've had to put on hold. Jess, how about you? What were your what were your big trips? You've all had the I worst think, luck. I <laughs> yeah, know. you've been doomed. I well, I think you guys both know the one that I was planning to take right before it became a hot spot was Italy. I had a big trip to Florence plan. I was going to stay for a week, do little trips throughout Tuscany, kind of soak in all the history there and, um, you know, gorge on pasta and all of it. That had to be canceled. I luckily got my money back from both the hotel and the airline. So yeah, just reassessing that. I think that will definitely be one of the first stops when we can go back, when they accept Americans again. But it's interesting because I do kind of find myself wanting to go bigger (laughs) with this trip and like kind of, you know, researching, oh, is there a nicer hotel that I could save up for? Or I was doing Italian kind of like online courses. So trying to like invest in like the level two of that and trying to really get good at all the language, all the like history things I want to see and like really be prepared when I get there. I like that idea that you were mentioning, Beret, like having that longer, so this is going to be a pun, I'm sorry, but that that longer runway to be able to. (laughs) I was going to say longer horizon. That's the finance (laughs) (laughs) jargon for it. But I did did want to touch on something that's specific to travel that I know you can speak to, Jess, which is you know, playing the points and miles game is on hold right now because booking and taking flights, which is how you get most of your points and miles is is not necessarily an option. But how should we be pivoting when we're not booking flights? Is there a way to still pay our points and miles forward into 2021? And then I think something that I've been kind of grappling with is I would say I'm a points hoarder. <laughs> and I, it, I always have to like hype myself up to use them because I'm like, I worked so hard for these. Like, is this trip really the one that I'm going to use these points on? What should we be using our points on? Yes. Well, it's funny you say you're a points hoarder because I'm the opposite. I just want to like cash them in as soon as I get them. And I've been struggling with that even during the pandemic. But there are some really good ways actually to still be saving your points. Um, it's not as much through travel now. It's I would say it's definitely more through the travel credit card rewards game. And so if you're comfortable with that, we are seeing a lot of the credit card issuers actually pivot what you can earn points on. Um, For instance, Chase, they came out with a new card actually uh, called the Chase Freedom Flex. It actually just opened for applications on September 15th. Um, So that earns a lot of bonus points on things like drugstore purchases, dining, which uh, includes takeout if you want to order in during the pandemic. And it also still earns 5% on travel through the Ultimate Rewards portal. And they also adjusted their Freedom Unlimited card to have the same earning, uh, some of those same earning structures. And we're also seeing like American Express is doing you know, $20 statement credits to reimburse you for your streaming services through the end of September, Capital One's venture card. It's also allowing higher redemption rates at restaurants for takeout and delivery and streaming. So the banks are pivoting towards a lot of this stay at home, not so much travel spending. So even if you're going to the grocery store, if you kind of look at how you're spending your money, what card would be you know, tailored to your spending habits, you can still rack up a significant amount of points. And I I am talking up Chase a lot because I love my Chase Sapphire. So 
you know, pairing one of these cards that have no fee from Chase and earn more at either the drugstore or grocery store or something like that, and pairing it with a Sapphire Reserve or Preferred. I have the Preferred because I still have a little bit of sticker shock with the Reserve. Um, but even that combination, you can really milk a lot um, and get very valuable Chase Ultimate Rewards points, which are so versatile. And, you know, before you know it, you'll have a nice little pile of points that you'll be able to cash in in 2021 or 2022. I'm a very cautious credit card user, which doesn't lend well to building up points and miles or getting a new credit card that I might be able to um, utilize in a more productive way. Beret, for someone thinking about getting a new credit card right now, does that feel insane? Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Oh, I think it depends what you're doing it for. You know, like to get a credit card, it's hard to say whether it's good or bad because building credit is so important. You know, if you ever want to have a mortgage or have a car loan, like having good credit involves opening a credit card. What I would be really careful of is um, APR. So that's the interest rate you'll pay if you don't make your minimum payments. And so I would be really careful about APRs. Um, We know that credit card companies are not making offers the way they used to um, in this environment. We had a story in the journal back in June about how zero balance like credit transfer. So that's when you um, transfer the balance of a past credit card onto a new credit card and then you are interest free for whatever the promotion offer is. You know, those offers are way down. Like um, credit card companies are just not issuing these offers the way they used to. Um, and they they may once again, but you know, this is just not the kind of economic environment where they're going to do that. So I would just read the fine print, make sure you're able to pay off your full balance every month, even if you get one of these cards or travel cards. Um, If you don't like fees, then don't sign up for one with a fee, even if it has an introductory offer. Um, Make sure you pay attention to all those details. I think the idea of being like a points hoarder or a points spender is 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 really an interesting one to me because we think we talk about like saving and like, you know, psychology and like, you know, financial behavior, um, behavioral economics, like that kind of thing a lot. And uh, I would say for me, I'm I was thinking about it uh, as you guys were talking about it. I, I think I'm I'm more like Meredith. I like I, I like want to spend all my points on something special like Uh, I hoard and then I'm like, what's the special thing I'm going to spend it on? And uh, I think last time I did like a empty all my points situation is I I went to Italy for my honeymoon and it felt great. And then my next like point splurge I was planning was the big trip I was saving for, which was to go to Tokyo to see relatives. Um, And that's on hold now. But I've adjusted my habits, you know, as as these times have changed. And recently we spend... um, some of the points, not all the points, but some of the points on just renting a car to go upstate. And that was really rewarding, I thought. Um, I didn't, I, I just adjusted what I did and I, I felt like I hyped myself up for that too. Um, so I feel like you can hype yourself up, you can adjust your habits. <laughs> you can hype yourself up for small trips the way you hyped yourself up for big trips. I definitely think that that's something, um, it felt good for me. Every small trip feels like a big trip right now. Right, yeah. exactly. We've already touched on the places that we're crossing our fingers for in 2021. But, you know, thinking of those big, big trips, 
What are the places everyone is dreaming of getting to in the next year or two years? Besides Italy, I would love to go back to Belize. Um, I spent like a week in Placencia last year. And I, but this time I would love to go to like one of the really remote, like resort islands out there where it's, it's almost a private island, but it's like only this resort is on a little, almost like a toll in the Caribbean. That's what I'm dreaming of. So in the pandemic, I've heard from a lot of, you know, friends, but also people we talk to that a lot of like their memories of past trips um, are, are coming to the forefront, like, like your memory of Belize and wanting to go back. Um, and, and I've certainly experienced the same thing, that there are a lot of places that I've been to that I'm sort of dreaming of um, because, you know, we're not able to travel right now. So we think back on trips that we've had that are great and planning off that. So I think my big dream is, is that we're finally in a place where I can dream about going somewhere new um, because that feels so, so far away. Um, going to, to somewhere I've been to do things that I remember liking, it sort of feels safe relative to, you know, going to a place I've never been. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that I dream big, bigger. And give yourself the permission to do so. I, I'm not in that place right now, if I'm being honest. Yeah, now that, now that we're talking about it, I, I honestly think my answer is the same that it was when we asked the editors this question in like March or April. And I said that all I wanted was to go to the beach. And I still feel very strongly that what I would really love would be to go to the British Virgin Islands, to go and just sit on the beach and read and probably not have Wi-Fi at the house, like the rental house that I'm staying at, and just give myself permission and have the opportunity to like not be stressed out about the world. That would be, we have to get to the point where the world isn't stressful though. So we, we have to wait for a little bit, but yeah, I want to go to the beach. our immediate lives. Yeah. I mean, I want to go to the beach. I love that. Cause I think, you know, we've all been sort of stuck in our homes for so long. It's easy to kind of think like, well, I don't do anything. So when I do take a trip, I need to be on my feet and seeing and experiencing a very intense amount of stuff. But like, I think we all just need a vacation, like a proper, proper vacation. So I'm definitely dreaming of the beach. um, And I would actually, my godmother has a house just outside of Sydney on an island that has no cars. And I think I would like to go there and hide out there for a few weeks. Halfway across the world. I love it. Halfway across the world. Well, that feels like a nice place to end. If people want to keep up with what you guys are doing at the Wall Street Journal, Beret, where can they find you on social media? I am at Beret Lamb, um, B-O-U-R-R-E-E dot L-A-M. But follow the main WSJ account. All the personal finance coverage is there. And if you want to f- sign up for the six-week money challenge I mentioned, just go to WSJ.com slash money challenge. Perfect. And Jess, how about you? I'm on Twitter at Jess Puck. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hanna. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram, sign up for our newsletter as well, which will be in the show notes, and we will talk to you next week. Life doesn't come with an instruction manual, but the Life Kit podcast gets you pretty close. Whether we're helping you tackle life-altering questions or just your everyday pickles, we've got deeply human solutions to your deeply human problems. 
Listen now to the Life Kit Podcast from NPR. 